I, what I wanted to talk about, I kind of wanted to come at this morning from two directions. I wanted to kind of wrap up the weekend to kind of put a close on kind of to help you guys that have been here kind of take that next step uh, in your, your walk with Christ, to sort of take that, you know, the journey that you're on. You know, we're always taking the next step, right? Always. We never get to a place where we're like, I've arrived. Ah, yay. You know, I've got it all figured out. You know, that, that never happens, all right? Or we'd be Jesus, right? And so life is all about the journey that God has us on and the direction that we're going as we're following Christ. And so I, my, my challenge this morning is to identify where are you on that journey and what is your next step after this weekend. Or maybe you're here this morning and um, you had, you know, something else going on this weekend and weren't able to make it. And I, wanna, I wanted to share something that could speak to you as well. Uh, that, that would challenge you as well and also encourage you with wherever you may be on your spiritual journey. And so, if you would, turn with me, if you have your scripture, uh, Romans uh, chapter 12 is what we'll be looking at. Romans chapter 12, if you don't have scripture with you on Sunday morning, I pray the Lord would smite you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I'm just kidding, guys, kind of. Um, okay, uh, you know, as I told you, I have, you know, I've been married almost 12 years, three kids, and uh, they're really, really awesome, and uh, love my kids. If you would like to see how beautiful and great they are, you're free to follow me on Instagram. If you don't like pictures of kids, you don't want to follow me on Instagram, because I post a lot of pictures of my kids, and they're pretty wild. My son Jackson, my oldest, he is like super smart, and really, he's like a genius. He has this like memory that blows my mind. He can remember details of random things uh, that I'm like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but cool. I mean, these random details, I think it's awesome. Like, his memory is unbelievable. And then my daughter, Paitlin, she's beautiful, awesome, and super limber. She did a split randomly one day, effortlessly, and we were like, okay, you're taking gymnastics. And so she's like, she loves gymnastics. Now she's like cutting flips and all that stuff, and she's super dramatic and um, at seven years old, and sometimes she just cries for no reason. I'm like, baby, what's wrong? She's like, I don't know, Daddy, I'm just sad. And I'm like, you're seven, you know, but... But okay, I love you, and I'll just stand here and hug you, and I don't know what I'm doing, but, you know, whatever. I'll just love you and be here for you, right? And then my son Judah, he's two, and he's climbing everything and wild and crazy. But, uh, you know, we went to Six Flags a couple of years ago, and my daughter, Paitlin, she's unbelievable. Like, we went to Great, well, we went to Great Wolf Lodge uh, about two years. She was only five at the time, and they had this ropes course outside. And she, like, went to the top of that thing. And, like, my, she, my wife went with her. I don't do heights. Now, I love roller coasters, but I don't do heights at all. Like, as far as, like, roller coaster, you're kind of on the ride, and they take you through the ride. You don't have to actually make yourself step out on a platform, right? And so I wasn't about to do the ropes course. Well, my wife was like, well, I'll do it with her. She's probably going to get on and, you know, get scared within two or three minutes. Well, she goes to the very top. Right, and she's like, "Mommy, I want to jump off there." And my wife's like, "Okay, sure, yeah." And my wife's thinking she's not going to do it. She gets up there, and they tie her up, and without even thinking about it, she just steps off and off the platform. And of course, my wife's like, "Well, I have to do it now. I can't let my five-year-old show me up." It took my wife ten minutes to jump off that thing. She was like, "I'm scared," you know. She's freaking out. Well, now my daughter can do that, so we go to Six Flags the next year, right? And I'm thinking, okay, you're tall enough to ride some roller coasters because I love roller coasters, love them. And so we go to ride this ride at Six Flags called the Mindbender. If you, I'm sure you guys have been to Six Flags considering it's just right down the road, right? And so, like, we go to get on the Mindbender. My daughter's barely tall enough to ride it, and she starts freaking out when she hears somebody beside her say that it has loops in it. She's like, Daddy, does this ride go upside down? I'm like, yeah, baby. She's like... Daddy, I don't want to ride if it's got loop-de-loops. And she, like, starts freaking out right there in line. I'm like, baby, it's okay. You can ride it. It's going to be fun. You're going to love it. She's like, I don't want to ride it. And so, like, I told my wife and my son, y'all go ahead. I'll stay off with her. So we've waited in line an hour, and I'm like, I'll stay off with her, you know. 
Well, later, I found out she was tall enough to ride the uh, Great American Scream Machine. And so I'm like, you'll love this, and there's no loop-de-loops. And she's like, okay, I'll ride it, Daddy. So we wait in line again. We get up to the front, and we're about to get on the ride, and she looks up, up at me with that same look and that quivering lip. Daddy, I'm scared to ride it. That's a big hill. And I'm like, you jumped off a platform. You're going to ride. And she's like, Daddy, please don't make me ride. And I looked down at her. I looked at my wife, and I looked, and I scooped her up, and I said, it's for your own good. And I walked over there, <laughs> set her down on the ride, strapped her in. She is crying crocodile tears, right? And everybody's giving me that look like, mm-hmm, Dad of the year. Yeah, I like that. And then she's like, Daddy, please get me off. And I'm like, you'll be fine. You're going to ride it. You're going to like it. You know? I knew she would love it. And so we go up that first hill, and she's cries. she cries the whole way up the hill. The whole way. And I mean loud. Like, everybody on the ride hears her. Everybody off the ride hears her. We go down that first hill, and we come back up that hill, and she does like this, and she's like, ah, and she screams. We get halfway through the ride, and she's like holding on to me as tight as she can, and then she lets go and puts her hands up. She's like, this is awesome, and we ride the ride, and we get off. She's like, let's do it again, you know, you know, and I'm like, you know, that, why did you like it? She's like, I loved it. I love the up and down hills and up and down hills. Well, anyway, I have a roller coaster freak on my hands now, and which is cool because I love them too. Well, the reason I bring that up is uh, kind of the way I wanted to end this, uh, this weekend uh, as far as our walk with Jesus. A lot of times in our walk with Christ, it's, it's kind of more, it's kind of like a roller coaster ride as far as just up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. There's, and, and there's no consistency. And so one of the things I found, and, I, I, and maybe I'm not talking to you, maybe I'm just talking to me this morning, but I struggle with allowing my feelings and allowing my emotions to dictate how I live for Jesus and how I approach life, which means, you know, I've got the warm fuzzies because I just had D-Now weekend, Awaken weekend. So, yeah, it's easy for me to go into school Monday, you know, living for God because I, it feels good right now. But then, by the end of the week, life's kind of beat you down a little bit, right? You know, life's kind of got the upper hand. You've got somebody spreading a rumor about you that's not true. You've got, you know, you've got a test coming up, or maybe you just made a, you know, made an F on a, on a test, or, or maybe, you, you know, you've made, you know, you've had, got some temptation, right? And so, and we're not feeling it. And so we allow the emotions of the roller coaster to dictate how we live for God. Well, my goal, and I think, a lot, and so you come to an event like this and it feels good. And then you go back to school and boom, right? And so the question a lot of times people ask is, how can I maintain that high? How can I maintain that spiritual high and get off the roller coaster? How can I stay on the mountaintop? How is it possible to stay there? And I get that question a lot. Trey, how is it possible to maintain the spiritual high? But I think that's the wrong question to ask. I think the question we need to ask is how do we continue to follow Jesus when the high's not there? Because I promise you, that high's going to come and go. It's great when it's here. I mean, Jesus and uh, several of his disciples went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and had the most amazing experience, and they didn't want to come back down. They went, do we have to go back down? And a lot of times we have that same question, but the truth is, yes, we do. And we have to, we live life. Now, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I'm always going to be with you, but he never promised it would be easy, ever. That's not in Scripture, and anybody that teaches that's lying. Jesus never promised it would be easy, but he did promise his presence. The question is, how do we continue to follow when the hard times come? Well, I think Romans 12 kind of lays out a blueprint for how we can do that. And I'm going to give you guys some practical things that I hope and pray you'll write down um, that I believe will help you because they've helped me. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies 
as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so the question is, okay, I read this, Trey, but, but how, does this, how does this work in real life? How does this work in realville? Because life happens. We live in a sinful, broken world where people are jerks, right? And I'm not going to get a pat on the back when it comes to living for God. I don't have constantly people cheering me on. I mean, yeah, when I'm at church and I'm around my brothers and sisters, yeah, I get encouragement, but I don't always, we're not always going to have that. In fact, as you get older, and maybe even now, you're going to have times when you're in a very hostile environment where you're not being cheered on. So how do I continue to live for Jesus when the warm fuzzies aren't there? Well, I think of blueprints here. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So he, Paul, Paul paints this picture that we're to present our bodies is a living sacrifice, which means my body is not my own. It's been bought with a price. It's, it's, it belongs to God. Everything, my thoughts, my emotions, everything about me, my words, my everything needs to be a living sacrifice to God, which means as I live, I sacrifice daily, lay down my desires, my preferences, my wants to Jesus, your glory and your glory alone, what you desire for me and what you desire to do through me. Daily, I'm to make that sacrifice, which means, oh, today I do it, but tomorrow, got to do it again. All right, when I wake up at 5 in the morning, I don't wake up every morning thinking, yeah, God. Sometimes I wake up pretty ticked that the alarm's going off, and I want to throw it out the window. I'm just being real, right? And so I have to daily lay aside my preferences and what I want, how I feel, because feelings will lie to you. They will lie to you. And I have to replace that with the truth of God. And so my life is a living sacrifice to say my body, everything about me, God, does not belong to you. It's not about how I feel at the moment. It's about what your truth says. And says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Holy means to be set apart. We talked about that Friday night. Holy means I'm to be holy. Now, holiness is not a light switch. It's not something we do in our own strength. It's something that the Holy Spirit does within us. It's called regeneration. It's called sanctification. It's the power of God, salvation at work within us, making us like Jesus, making us more like Jesus, holy. Now, we never arrive in, on this side of eternity, but the point is, every day, I should be coming more like Jesus. Every day. Every day, my life should reflect who Jesus is. By the way I talk, by the way I act, by the way I carry myself, is to be more like Jesus as the work of God is doing the work within me. I'm not doing it myself. I'm not earning it. I'm not, it's the work of God, the work of grace in me, making me holy like Christ. And it says acceptable to God. And then it says, which is your spiritual worship, which means this is worship to God. Me being more like Jesus in the culture is worship to God. This is worship in its purest, rawest form. Now, there are a lot of ways we can worship. This weekend, we've worshiped through music, which is one of my, is my favorite. I love worshiping through music. We're going to do that in heaven, and you read scripture, you see worshiping through music. I love music, so I love to be able to sing to God. I love it. But what's worship ultimately? When I'm spending time and loving my wife as Christ loves the church, when I'm leading my children in the Word, that's worship as well. When you're spending time together as brothers and sisters, when we went to Slingshot and hung out as a family, a spiritual family, that was worship. Worship in its rawest form is basically, God, I want to be yours. I'm yours. My body is a living sacrifice, 
and I'm yours. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about how you want to use me in this moment. It's how you want to speak through me in this moment. It's what, it's me reflecting you and your character in this moment. That's worship, to say, God, I'm yours. It's not about me. It's about you. Use me however you choose to. That's your spiritual act of worship, being like Christ. And then it says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world. You're not to look like the world. You're not to look like your past, the way you did before you met Christ. But be, and this is what we're about to get into, transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. So how do I not be conformed? And how do I be transformed? How do I present my body as a living sacrifice? How do I be more like Jesus, holy and acceptable to God? How? Paul tells us, renew your mind. Now, here's the question. Okay, Trey, I get that. I'm with you so far. But how do I renew my mind? How do we do that? And it's easy, and a lot of times we give the simple answers. We'll read your Bible and pray. Okay. Okay. But how do I do that daily? Because, yeah, I can do that today, but doing it daily consistently. How do I get off the roller coaster? Well, here, I'm going to give you four things that have really helped me because I believe I want to go a little deeper than just read your Bible and pray. That's just an aspect of it. But I'll go a little deeper and give you some specific things that have really just helped me to be more consistent in my relationship with Jesus and ways that we can practically renew our mind and we can be more discerning of what the will of God is. The will of God today, not just a treasure I, you know, find one day, but the will of God today. How do I renew my mind daily? Well, number one, let the Bible read us. Let the Bible read us. It's on the screen if you can see here. Let the Bible read us. It's one thing to just read the Bible, but it's another thing to let the Bible read you. Now, I, I, I want to be careful because I'm not against some of these things like read through the Bible in a year kind of programs. <clears throat> I've never done that personally. I've had friends that have, friends that got a lot out of it. But I, one of the drawbacks, I think, of doing something like that is become, it becomes more of a race to kind of get through the Bible and more about kind of getting from point A to point B than actually spending time with God and allowing God to speak to us. And so if I miss a few chapters today and get behind, then it becomes, try, it becomes more about trying to catch up. And then when I don't catch up, I feel like a failure. And a lot of times people just quit. Most people I've known that have tried to do that end up just quitting. When I think God is less concerned with the quantity of how much scripture we read and more concerned with the quality of, of what we get out of a relationship with him as we read scripture. And so I've tried to aim more for this. Instead of me just trying to read my Bible, I've tried to aim for allowing the Bible to read me. And maybe that means I just read one verse this morning. Maybe just a small chapter, maybe a, a chapter of Proverbs a day, maybe one chapter of Psalms, which are very short chapters. Maybe just one scripture verse of something Jesus says in the book of John. Just, and just chew on it. Just read it. Every word of scripture is inspired by God, which means if I just read this one verse and just chew on that and say, God, what do you want to say to this? What do you want to say to me through this? God, what are you teaching me today? God, what, what did you mean? And just, and just pray over it. And allow the Bible to read me. Kind of like the, it's kind of like a picture of David when he prayed and said, Lord, if there's anything within me, any sins, God, expose it. Make me aware of it, Lord. Anything in me that I've done to sin against, Lord, I, I want to know. Make me aware. Allow God's word to read us and just spend that time with God. 
even if it's just five or ten minutes a day. And don't be so concerned with just getting from point A to point B when it comes to reading Scripture. Number two. Number two. Pray specifically. Obviously, prayer is important. But I've met a lot of people that say, okay, Trey, people tell me all the time I need to pray more. And people, some people have told me that are believe, I don't know how to pray. I mean, I know it's talking to God, but they're like, I try to pray, and sometimes I end up falling asleep. <laughs> or sometimes I, I try to pray, and I'm very ADD, and, and, and I, get, I lose my focus, and, you know, my mind wanders off. And that's a real legitimate struggle. Well, one thing that's helped me is to be specific when I pray. Instead of just praying and saying, Lord, I pray for all of the missionaries out there. Lord, I pray for peace on earth. Lord, I pray that you will um, have, will have good weather today. Right? Now, let's get specific. Uh, if, you, if you're praying for missionaries, let's get those missionaries' names and say the names to God. Uh, there, from what I hear, there's a lot of mission trips going on this year with your church. I will get the names of everybody going and pray over each and every name. And many of these people you're going to know personally. And lift them up. Say, God, prepare their heart to go on this trip. God, I pray you'll teach them something through this trip. God, I pray you'll encourage them and protect them from enemy attack. Pray for Ryan. Pray for all of your leadership and staff at this church. Lift them up by name. Lord, protect them from enemy attack. Protect them from discouragement. Lead them. If, if they're down today, Lord, I want you to just encourage them right where they are. Show them how much God, show them the, their, their identity in you and help them never to forget that. Pray specifically. Lift up people by name. Pray for your Sunday school teachers by name. Pray for your friends at school by name. And you know what happens when you pray specifically? You have a connection to them. And then when you see God move, and you see where God worked through the prayer, you realize, wow, God used my prayer and worked through me to bless them, to reach them. If you're praying for a specific friend to be saved and that person comes to Christ, you're like, oh my goodness, I prayed for them. Get specific about your prayers. I, it's been a game changer for me. Number three, and this also involves prayer, and if you haven't done this, you need to do so immediately. In fact, do it yesterday. Start a prayer journal. That, guys, that goes for you too. If you've never started a prayer journal, it's a game changer, guys. It has been a game changer. My prayer life has just gone to the next level when it comes to this. Write your prayers down. If you're like me and you struggle with focusing, this will help. I promise you. Write it down. Write a list of the names down of the people you're praying for specifically. When I write in my prayer journal... Basically, if, if I, I write down as though I were talking to God, I pray out loud, and as I pray out loud, I write it down. And it's really cool. It helps me to focus. I don't lose my focus. I don't, I, I, it, it, the, the really best, the best thing about it is you can go back a year from now, two years from now, and see what you were praying for, and you can see where God's brought you since then. And often, and many times, you can see how God even answered the prayer, and you wouldn't have realized it if you wouldn't have written it down. It's really cool. About, I, I, recently, I looked back at the, my prayer journal from this time a year ago. Our son Judah, when he was born, we noticed not long after he was born that he was, he was spitting up often, a lot more than his older brother or sister. And we began to realize, okay, this is not normal. He, there's a problem here. Especially when he began to eat more, you know, drink less milk and formula and eat more food. He was throwing it back up. And we, were, we took him to the doctor and they were like, ah, oh, it's just whatever. They were trying to make light of it. And we're like, no, this is an issue. This is a problem. 
and eventually he was diagnosed with gastroparesis, which is a very broad diagnosis. We begin to look it up, to Google it, and we're reading some horror stories about people that deal with this, adults that have dealt with this their entire life. And, I mean, we were, we were scared. We were like, what's going on here? What's he going to have to do? And they, just, they did several tests, and the test indicated for sure he had slow digestion. And they were trying these different medicines on him. And I look back at this time a year from now, I can see this time last year how terrified I was and just pouring my heart out to God, God, please heal my son. Lord, I, I don't know if he's going through pain. He can't talk to me to express if he's in pain or whatever. I mean, he seems to be happy for the most part. Well, since November, he's not thrown up one time. It just stopped. Since November. For weeks and weeks, we kind of kept quiet about it because we didn't know if it would start back or not. But it appears that God has healed him, that God answered a prayer. And I can look back to this time a year ago and see where I poured my heart out to God. And, and it's like it's written down and documented that God heard my prayer and he cared and he answered. And we want to just glorify his name for it. But guys, it's so cool when you can look back and say, man, God answered that. And the last one, serve where you are. Serve where you are. What time, Ryan, what time do they get out of here? What's that? 10, 15. Okay, all right, cool. All right, so I got a few minutes. Serve where you are. Um, and we talked about this a little bit last night. But guys, part of following Christ is getting out of your comfort zone and serving other people because it forces you to take the focus off yourself and to love other people. I heard this pastor tell this story about how he, he uh, before he started preaching, he, he, used to, he worked in the, in the secular world and he worked with this guy who was just horrible. Said he, was just, he, was, he, was just, he was hard to work with. He was constantly putting people down. He wasn't a Christian and he was constantly putting Christians down specifically. And he said that uh, it was just hard and he said God told him just to, he felt like God was leading him just to, just to love him. As hard as it was, and not return his hatred with more hatred, or not to return his disrespect with more, but to just love him and to serve him and to do the best he could to be a good co worker with him. And this is what he said, and it stuck with me. He said, After about two or three months of me doing this, I didn't change that guy one bit, but God surely changed me by doing that. God taught me a lot about what his love truly is all about and what it means to truly serve people. Jesus showed us this model in John 13 when he washed the disciples' feet, something only a slave or a servant would do, and Jesus served them. It was put in perspective for me. Um, I was on a mission trip in 2004, and um, we spent a month doing camps in West Virginia, and I got to meet uh, a missionary there, and um, her and her team that we partnered together this week for just this one camp. And I remember talking with her, and she was like, yeah, I'm a part of a team in this town in West Virginia. And she was like, it's very impoverished. A lot of, uh, there's basically nothing there. She said, it's, 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 it's just a, a very heartbreaking place. She said whenever their team arrived, and they were supported by the, um, by, by the North American Mission Board, but they went in there, and she said that uh, the first thing they did was just tried to meet people and just serve people. And just hearing her heart about 
a desire to serve others just it wrecked me I'll be honest with you guys I learned by just having one conversation with this young lady about how selfish I was but she shared that they there was there was basically nothing in this town but bars and pornographic stores that was it and she said that they walked into the bar one day just to go to the bathroom. They had to go to the bathroom and they walked in and they wanted to maybe meet the people there just to introduce themselves. And she went to the bathroom and she said it was the filthiest bathroom you've ever seen in your life. She said it was not even usable. It was, it was as dirty as you could ever imagine a bathroom could be. And so she said that they left and she came back the next day with a mop bucket and some cleaning supplies. And she just walked up to the bar area and just asked the workers there, said, hey, do you mind if I clean your bathroom? And they just kind of looked at each other, and they were like, uh, they just kind of laughed at her and was like, uh, no, we're not hiring right now for a janitor or anything like that. And she was like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I'm not asking you to pay me. I just want to clean it. She's like, I'm not expecting you to pay me. I just, I just want to. And they were like, uh, why? And she this is what she told them. She said, I just, we're missionaries, and uh, I just want to show you the love of Jesus in a practical way. And they were like, okay, sure, knock yourself out. And so she went in there and, and cleaned the bathroom. And she said, this opened the door for building friendships and relationships with these people. And they would go every day and just hang out and talk to them. No, no strings attached, not expecting anything in return. Just hang out, get to know them. And she said over time, they developed a friendship with these people and opportunities to share the gospel and to share about who Jesus is and about the cross. And it all started with unconditional, no strings attached, serving let me tell you something, guys. Not only are there opportunities to share Jesus with people when we have this heart, but it changes us, and it gets us off that roller coaster. Because you may tell you the main problem with the roller coaster most of the time, it's looking inward and making it all about us. But when we get the focus off of us and on Jesus, and that's when we begin to walk more consistently. And no quicker way for that to happen than to serve other people. Because when you begin to serve other people, when you begin to stop, stop thinking about your own problems and you begin to just be an ear to other people and listen to the things that other people are going through and you begin to do life with other people and see the problems. Because like I said, we all wear masks. We see people, we put our mask on, everything's great. And then we go home and we think, well, I'm the only one screwed up. Everybody else has got it all together. But when we do life with people and we serve other people, we find out pretty quickly, no, I'm not the only one screwed up. In fact, Many people I hang out with are more screwed up than I am. And that's when we begin to invest into them, serve them, and we're not constantly focused on our own problems. And it changes us. And it helps us walk more consistently. Because it becomes more about the glory of God and about loving other people than it does about my problems. And so, guys, for me, these four things have been a game changer. And, and, and I pray they will be for you too. And I pray that whatever decisions that you guys have made this weekend, or maybe you're here this morning for the first time, and, and I, and I want to challenge you uh, that if you don't have a relationship with Christ, the good news is you can start today. <laughs> and if you do, I want to challenge you to walk more consistently to where we won't just come together for an Awaken weekend or a D-Now weekend and be like, Jesus is awesome, yay, great, I had some fun and worshiped and had some fun, and then we go back to life like nothing ever happened but it actually leaves a mark on us and changes us. And maybe you guys can look back in 10 years, 20 years, 
and you're having a conversation with someone or maybe, or, and, or maybe you're, even your kids one day and they're like, so how long have you been following Jesus? I just, it'd be cool to say, you know, it all started for me at that weekend, um, that first awaken weekend is when it all changed for me and I've never been the same since. And that's when my life began to change. And it'd be cool if maybe you could start your prayer journal today and say, my life has changed this weekend. And that'd be the first thing you write. Lord, help me to walk consistently. And you can look back in 10, 15, 20 years at things you've written and be like, huh, that's right. That's when it started. Wow. I appreciate you guys having me this weekend. Hope you guys will stay in touch. Let me know how you're doing. Message me. Let me know any way that I can pray for you. I take that very seriously. Very seriously. And I hope you guys have a great day. 